You're listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of CAMS Talk. In today's episode we'll be discussing a new service in Bedfordshire, the Young Person Sanctuary. We'll talk about what it is and what you can expect when accessing the service and hopefully answering some of your questions. I'm joined by my co-host Sassy, some professionals from the Young Person Sanctuary and some young people who have been involved in the development. Should we do some intros? Hi everyone, I'm Sassy, Digital Participation and Suicide Prevention Lead for Luton and Bedfordshire Camps. Hiya, I'm Zara. I'm a youth mental health worker at the Young Person Sanctuary and I'm mainly based within the Central Beds Young Person Sanctuaries. Hi everyone, I'm Bessie. I'm a youth mental health uh, worker and I'm based in Bedford Young Person Sanctuary. Hi, I'm Shaman. I've been in participation now for a few months and I'm a service user. Hi, um, I'm Alex. I am an ex CAM service user and I work with participation now and full-time I go to university. Brilliant, thanks everyone for joining us today. I think a great place to start is what is a young person sanctuary? So the young person sanctuary is a new drop-in service and we're partnered with CAMS but we don't work directly with them. So basically what would happen is that you would whenever you're feeling in crisis that could mean whatever a mental health crisis means to you so that could be you've had a really really bad day or um, you are having like suicidal ideation Um, you're welcome to come and chat to a trained youth um, mental health worker and it's completely drop-in based so no appointment needed just pop by how many locations are there and whereabouts are they so we have um, central beds and under central beds, it's three. I know that one's in Sandy, one's in Leighton Buzzard. Um, then we've got Bedford and we also have Luton. Yeah, so the central beds ones, um, it's Monday and Tuesday. We're in Houghton Regis um, within the Children's um, Community Centre. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're in Leighton Buzzard. Um, in the Meadowway Community Centre and soon Sandy will be opening um, on Saturday and Sunday and that will also be in the Sandy Community Centre. Amazing, thank you. I wonder if you could give a bit of a description about like what the location looks like and what's on offer at each sanctuary. Okay, if I start off with the central beds ones and then Betty can take over the rest. So central beds in Houghton Regis, so the children's uh, centre in Houghton Regis. Um, we have a very large, um, like, chill kind of space where uh, we're planning on getting, like, loads of colouring books and a few, like, card games. And then um, we also have a little private one-to-one room. So if you do pop in and you want a bit of more of a private place to speak, there's like a few cozy chairs um, and that's like tucked away. Um, then the Leighton Buzzard um, Young Person Sanctuary, which is in um, Meadowway Community Centre. Uh, here we've got loads of things. We've got a pool table, we've got um, like air hockey and it's, there's a huge space to like chill with sofas and like books. So very relaxed kind of environment. And that's the main space. But again, there we also have 
a more private one-to-one room that you can come and chat in privacy to one of our youth mental health workers and then sandy who where i just went the other day is um again like there's a bit of a bigger space but it is in a like children's center so there's just cozy like little corners little like book nooks um that you can sit and there's also again uh more like tucked away one-to-one room um so luton and bedford are very similar Luton is in a community hub, a little bit of a youth club. So it's a little bit more chilled out. There's um it's it's very similar to what Zara described. There's some activities to do. So if you come there and you're in crisis and maybe you don't know how to, you know, this it can be awkward, it can be strange talking to somebody if you're in crisis. So there's activities that you can do to just break the ice. Um, they have some games there. Uh, similar thing in Bedford. Um, some activities if you want to but most times you come in there is a general waiting area and then you can go into separate rooms for a one-to-one session just to talk to somebody privately if you want um, sometimes people are accompanied by people so you know somebody if whoever is coming with you if you want them to come with you they can come inside the room or they can just stay out in the waiting area while you get the support and Alex and Charmin how would you describe the young person sanctuary the service as a whole but I know we also went into the Luton location. How would you describe that to maybe another young person or a friend? I think the place has um, possibility. It's a place where it's ongoing and transformation. So there's a space for everyone that they can drop by and they can offload. There's a situation where you don't have to talk. But in the end, the sanctuary is there to help you. Um, it can feel like a scare, but depending on what you need, and there's opportunity for you to receive help, um, for you to receive care. Um, the sanctuary is filled with, with inclusivity, respect, and kindness. And during our our meeting, I think um I discussed a lot about um the building and what the insides look like and of like the surroundings and the aesthetics of the room and how I felt with the process. But I think the room and the building has possibility. Um and I as a young as a young person would attend in the future. Um I think the place I feel like the place is definitely what Luton and Bedford needs for young people dealing with mental health someone to talk to um as mental health just it's expansive and it grows and it's with you for a very long time and i think having as many resources as possible that are of use that are free that is accessible is what we need. Yeah, I definitely agree, Sharmin. Sassy, did you want to speak about it? Yeah, I think seeing the building for me was really cool because I don't know how many people are aware, but the process of those sanctuaries kind of coming together and being established was entirely co-produced with CAMS young people and CAMS participation. Um, And while I was actually a service user, 
I got to be a part of that process and kind of I remember that first meeting kind of talking about what we wanted it to be called and coming up with the, the term sanctuary and what that meant and it being nurturing and having an aspect for growth in there actually seeing the building in person three four years later was it was really cool actually um I don't know many spaces specifically kind of Luton area that are that welcoming and that young person centered which was really nice to see they've got a really cool little light sign thing um in the Luton cafe which I'm absolutely obsessed with it looks very pretty um but no it's it's a brilliant brilliant space yeah and I remember in participation those initial conversations as well and a service that doesn't just stop at 5pm because when you're in crisis the time doesn't mean anything and I think these sanctuaries are 4 till 10pm is that right? Yeah so um, anytime 4 till 10pm if you want to again pop by with no appointment whatsoever no referral um, literally all you have to do is walk in the door and you'll be seen by um, someone that can support you. I just wanted to also add uh, in Bedford it is on weekdays from 5pm to 10pm and then weekends is 4 to 10. I think you can definitely feel the kind of energy of the space as well which is quite nice I mean I I've been doing some work for um the Luton cafe and I'm not gonna lie I like just coming up and coming to hang with you guys it's a really chill environment it's a space that makes me feel at ease and comfortable um yeah I, I wish that we had had something like that when I was of the age to access that because kind of hitting that mental health crisis point and having to spend however long in an A&E waiting room trying to get some kind of help can can be really hard and quite traumatic actually and make a situation much worse but seeing the space that you guys provide and knowing that young people can rock up and just say I need a bit of support and they don't have to sit in a old chair in a waiting room with other people and strangers and things it, it relieves a lot of my anxiety I think. Yeah thanks Sassy I think we tried to make it a bit more like cozy kind of vibes of like, you a cup of tea and you know some biscuits but all stocked up in the biscuits so make it a bit more of a relaxed environment than uh, like kind of the A&E like vibes. You know that's great to hear and I I definitely second that as well. And I think with a lot of new services comes a lot of questions and misconceptions and perceptions that maybe aren't really reflective of how the service actually is. I wonder, Sassy, Sharmin, Alex, if there was any questions that you had before you sort of got involved in the project that you would like to ask? Yeah, definitely. I think my main question was, what level of crisis do I have to be at to be able to access the service? Yeah, I think that's a really valid question. Like, I think crisis can look so different to everyone. And there's not really a threshold that we have here. It's whatever that crisis is to you. So, yeah, it could be you just really, really need to speak to someone that, you know, isn't your parent or isn't um, your friend. That could be crisis to you. Or, you know, it could be whatever you feel like when you need support that we're not going to turn anyone away. I think one of the frequently asked questions we get is what if there's high risk and it needs escalating? What does that process look like? So 
obviously when somebody comes in and we have a conversation with them there are times when we realize that maybe the support they need is going to need to be outside of us and that passes very high risk we have safeguarding procedures which can either look like um, getting somebody from the crisis team because in bedford we're in the comms building and the crisis team stays until 9 p.m so that can be getting somebody to come in and um, support us and support the extra the young person a little bit more um, but if it's at the end and we are unable to get another professional to kind of come in and also support we will um, go through the procedures which uh, we have safeguarding needs and safeguarding um, we have safeguarding needs that we can contact and um, usually if they determine that this is your, the person's unable to keep either themselves safe or, or might be a harm to others or anything like that, then it can be that they are, if they come in with like a primary caregiver, they might be, they will be encouraged to go to NE. Um, if they are not able to go with somebody or a trusted adult, then we would have to call um, 999 and um but this it's very rare that, that happens and um for most times we're able to de-escalate um but if it does if it does so need we have a duty of care to just make sure that the person is safe and we will do everything that we can to make sure that that person not only feels that they're not alone in that um but they are aware of what happens so if we are not able to get this person we'll get this if we're not able to do that there's like um steps and that can vary depending on what the young person um, needs and what they what they might want to do. We would take that into, into consideration. Some people don't like going to NE and um, and so we might need to also consider that. But for the most part, we have safeguarding procedures. Um, Zara, feel free to add in if there's anything that I've missed. I think Betty's mostly covered it there, but yeah, just emphasizing on like the hospital um and like 999 is very much our last resort um and that we continue to keep in communication with the young person coming in what is going to happen and what um also listening to what they want but your safety is our priority so there sometimes there is times when yeah we will have to recommend a and e or 999 but again absolute last resort and we will work with you and our uh, the crisis team to try and prevent that it's great to hear that you involve the young people in those conversations because I feel like sometimes young people feel left out of those conversations and lose autonomy because of that I think another question that we get is do you have to be under services to access it or can you not access it because you're already under mental health services um so you can access it even if you're not and even if you're under other services or even if you are this is open to all like um i think you mentioned earlier that you don't get to someone that's in crisis doesn't necessarily get control over whether or not they're in crisis it happens people need support we obviously um our age ranges um you know vary but it's no it's it's around 14 to like 17 year olds we've had people that are like 18 come in and stuff like that we will never turn anybody away we will signpost and get them the support that they need so even age as being one of the more important prerequisites that we have for the service even then we will still if somebody comes in and they're right on the class we won't turn anybody away um if somebody needs the support they need the support and we are here to 
you know to help them and to support them I think that's a really important point because I know I've had conversations with some of our young people that have kind of been on the cusp of turning 18 and not knowing if they could use you guys so it's really nice to know that age isn't a factor um something else um I think would be good to query is kind of representation and is it an inclusive space will young people be able to find people that understand kind of their cultural backgrounds or their neurodiversity needs or kind of gender identity questions and things like that like are you guys a completely inclusive space I'd say yeah definitely we're so inclusive even if you just look at our staff like everyone is from a multitude of backgrounds and has various stories themselves so I think we are well um, versed in that aspect and also our managers are really good at organizing trainings for maybe stuff that we aren't too knowledgeable knowledgeable about we just finished um some trainings on gender um identity and i know there's probably trainings coming up soon about neurodiversity so we're really trying to make sure it's a space for all and make sure that everyone is included that's so brilliant to hear thank you um, I also wanted to add that obviously alongside the training and alongside the fact that we represent the the kind of like um we represent I think the diverse background of um cultures and people. I also think that a lot of us have different experiences and we come from different backgrounds and we um we make sure to kind of bring our own stories, our own knowledge that can look different. Some people have gone to university, some people have not, some people have come from different types of homes, some people have experiences of mental health, some people have family members. So I think even on, um, uh, you know, even outside of like um, social markers like being um, like being LGBTQ plus or neurodivergent, there are still other areas in which we make sure that the young person, you know, feels like they are seen and they're heard. And we are currently working with um, asylum seekers in Bedford. We are partnered with an organization that supports asylum seekers because I think it's important. Again, that's one of an, that's a very underrepresented community um, in terms of accessing and receiving mental health services. So we not only try to make sure that we're trained up on um on cultural issues but we also make sure that we reach out and we support groups that might not necessarily have access quite so easily as other people that's great to hear alex did you have any questions for the staff um i know you mentioned about the training that you have done i was wondering if you could talk about a bit more about it and what type of training they have done and what sort of training you're going to do in the future so we have done so many trainings, I can't even count how many. There is, I'm trying to think, like everything you can imagine, um, it has been covered to some extent and it's always ongoing. It's not like there's a checklist and then you're done. Like we are continuing um, our training. So we've got the main ones are like de-escalation training, uh, mental health awareness, um, gender identity training. Um, i trying to think for the... But yeah, we're trying. In. Yeah, you jump in. 
Um, uh, we've also done um, stuff around domestic violence. Um, yesterday, we were, um, I went to a sixth form fair to kind of just meet some young people to let them know about the service. And even while we were there, we kind of uh, managed to make contact with other organizations around um, the area that we know will be um, vital to, other, to some of our service users, some of them were um and they're hoping to do trainings with us around violence in terms of um women that are, have been exploited through gangs and um on county lines we are hoping to do more training on um relationships healthy relationships we've already done some but i think it always helps to kind of like re-up and and get um different perspectives we're hoping to um do one on safe sex safe um relationships and things like that so we're always thinking about one of the main things that we'll always have to do is the the basic ones which is equality and diversity safeguarding um making sure that we know how to keep the person safe and um everything else is to kind of also make sure that we're just a little bit more aware we are learning around we learn about the different forms of abuse and that can be very eye-opening. I think most people know about the generic ones, but there's been so many that we have touched on that have been like, well, we didn't even know, you know, and and, and I know this might not necessarily be the space, but I figured why not since we're talking about trainings. And since I learned it, I'm gonna share with the uh with the post the the podcast. Um so one that we found out is there's like an increase in um this is a quick warning, a quick trigger warning, but there's an increase in um in like choking for example in young people during like intimate relationships and that's something that we weren't aware of and there's little things that seem like um they, they might not necessarily seem that important but that kind of training alerts us to some of the issues that maybe if somebody comes in and they're talking about it that's something that then we are able to pick up on a little bit more the language in which people use so I don't know if that answered your question fully um, or was too specific, but I hope that I kind of like touched on some of it. Um, the others, you know, gener uh, the other generic kind of, um, the other generic ones that we tend to do are, not generic, but other trainings that we tend to do are around self-harm, um, autism awareness, eating disorders, um, being aware of like forced marriages and honor-based violence, um, emergency first aid training that is with mental health and physical health. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like some of the stuff that we have done and that is all year round and we will always do um, kind of like top-ups, if you will. Oh, that, that definitely answered my question. I think I'm very happy to hear that you're always looking to improve yourselves as a service. I think a lot of young people would be really glad to hear that, you know, you're doing some work to help them and support them. Has anyone got any other questions? How long are you guys staying around? Obviously, we know you share buildings with a lot of other organisations. Is that a permanent thing? Is the service just kind of a pop-up? Um, Definitely not a pop-up service. We've got... um. As we're funded by CAMS, um, we've got two years funding, but we're definitely planning to stay longer. So the more people that do access the service, the more that um, it can be seen by the people that fund us that it is needed. Um, so, yeah, we definitely are planning for staying for more than um, two years. But, but, yeah, definitely two years at a minimum. 
I think it would be quite useful if we maybe went through what young people could expect kind of right from the beginning. So coming into the door, um, kind of all the way through the process. So maybe like a little scenario type. So if we think we've got a young person who has showed up at one of the sanctuaries um, quite visibly upset, but quite withdrawn into themselves, how would you go about making sure that young person feels safe and supported um and if you could include kind of accessibility so like where the toilets are and things like that I think that would be quite useful as well so we're located on the bottom floor so if somebody needs the toilet or anything like that maybe they just need to go have a quick cry they just want to be by themselves whatever it is they might not necessarily be ready to have a conversation we're on the bottom floor so they can get to toilets and all the toilets I believe are accessible at all the locations um, but I, so if we were to come in, Zara, you can jump in at any point. Um, but if, if somebody's to come in to come and see us and they're visibly distressed, obviously I, 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 I mentioned it earlier, it can be very hard to kind of just two complete strangers to tell them whatever it is that's happening that can vary from, you know, that can vary from falling out with friends, a breakdown in friendships. It can, it can be, you know, as severe as abuse or anything like that. So we never quite know what's going on. So we will always be um, very gentle and very empathetic with the person. We aim to listen and try to hear what the person wants to discuss. We never, we kind of let them, um, navigate where the conversation goes um usually we will there is a form that you have to complete that is just part of our post and procedure so um so if if nothing else if the person's very withdrawn we can at least you know we can say what's your name for example and go through the 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 things that are not that hard to um answer like your age your date of birth um kind of where you're at um are you good mental health poor mental health there's like a bit of a like a um a quick quiz around that um, and once that's all done, we would then go into a room um, and the person basically has that space for as long as they need to. And when they're ready to kind of start opening up, we will, we will ask some, um, some open questions such as, uh, such as how come you came in today? What brought you here today? And um, if the person is still closed off, um, we can we can try some distraction techniques. We can talk about other things that the person might want to talk about that makes them a little bit happier. If they came over like a relative, we can ask about that the relative. It really varies. It's hard to kind of sit here and give a generic, this is what happens because I don't think as many times as I've done this, there has ever been a case that's the same. And how I go into it is exactly the same because different people require different things. Sometimes people, respond better with really high energy really positive and you know and some people withdraw a little bit more so um every single youth um mental health worker will assess the person in terms of after going for the form um it's in terms of what they themselves how they are responding to them and will probably adapt it to that person um but yes yeah, zara i'm gonna let you <laughs> kind of like take over this bit if there's anything that I have missed yeah basically uh what um they were saying we kind of base it depend on depending on the person that comes in so sometimes it can take a lot um especially if someone's in crisis to come in and see us and we really do appreciate that um and it can be a lot to kind of open up in that moment so we won't push you um immediately to kind of come in and open up we'll 
get you in, get you a cup of tea, get you a coffee or a few biscuits. Um, and if you really are like struggling to open up, we will probably yeah find something that we can do together that you can enjoy that can allow you to at least take your mind off of it for a little bit. So maybe that's colouring in, maybe that's um, playing a game of pool on our pool table. Um, yeah, we'll try and um, do our best to find a bit of common ground so um, we can try and support you a bit further. Um, but yeah, we uh, the main part that will happen when you come in is definitely filling out um, our form as much as you can. And then um, when you leave, it's we're just going to have to make sure that you're safe. So if it hasn't been escalated any further, we'll just have to make sure that you're... Um, going home with a trusted adult or that you we know that, that you're going home to a safe place brilliant thank you that's really helpful um another thing and I think a lot of people would overlook this but I know it's something that a lot of our young people have spoken about and I myself get quite anxious about it ringing the doorbell that's very scary is there kind of any reassurance you could give our listeners around kind of doing that and how long it might take for someone to come to the door and what happens if I press the wrong bell is there multiple bells what's what's going on with that there is a sign that says young person century that should have an arrow so it should be easy to navigate the doorbell it would honestly be and I would maybe say even a challenge to the people that do go to see how long it takes I guarantee you probably be under a minute um minute 30 pushing it but it will be under a minute somebody will come they'll probably just be like you know you're here to see us because we share with other people just to clarify that you're there for the young person century and then they'll just be super happy and super eager because we love to meet young people and they might seem a little bit really like overzealous and sometimes when people come in obviously they're not in a great headspace and so it can be a bit of like a like really happy people but that's because we're just very excited to see um whoever's coming in so if you are worried about it honestly you're just going to be met with um very happy smiley um happy go lucky kind of people that are just happy to kind of see you and to support you um because that's that's why our service exists we literally just um we're here for when people need us as and when people need us um we yeah so when people come in we're just very excited to see them um so if someone is is anxious about um if somebody's anxious about coming in and ringing the doorbell, it'll be under a minute. Someone's going to be there. They're going to be smiling. They're going to ask your name. They're going to introduce themselves. Yeah, same um, kind of in every, uh, every other place and central beds anyway. We're not, we're not as high tech. We don't have a doorbell, so you will have to be knocking, unfortunately. But um, in every other site, we don't really share the building. So you will, by the time you come here anyway, um, everyone else would have left. It'll just be mind people here. So but eagerly waiting for someone to come. Um, and yeah, as Betty said, we we almost run to that door. So um, you won't be waiting for long and it will most likely be a person from mine straight away. Brilliant, thank you. That's really reassuring. And in terms of confidentiality, do you have to tell anyone, maybe a parent or carer, that a young person's being? Um, no we do not have to inform anyone um, that you have been um, unless you tell us something that we are worried about for your safety. Um, but other than that, if you just want to come and have a chat or you do not disclose anything 
that is really worrying to us, then we don't have to inform um, parent or anyone or school or whoever that you have um, come in. I was just going to add that um, they, if information does need to be shared, maybe with like a, if you've discussed something and you say that is it's pertaining to your safety and there's a risk, but you are, but we, it's, it's safe enough that you can, you know, you're able to keep yourself safe, but you're going home with maybe like a primary caregiver. We would generally ask for like, you know, if you're comfortable enough to let them know where you're at and maybe to kind of, um, cause obviously yes, we're a service that's here to support you, but mental health, um, mental health well-being is not just um any individual person's responsibility it is it is a group it is a family it is a friend it is the people that we have around us the structures in which we are working in if it's the education system that kids are in and so um if we we know the importance of having a strong support system and we will ask if you do feel comfortable sharing with maybe it's sharing some of the information not everything but anything that you think will be uh will be helpful maybe if you came in with like your mom for example and you were worried that you might not necessarily keep yourself safe it might be that um that maybe your primary caregiver might need to do certain things maybe they might need to hide certain stuff that uh, might be a trigger to you or might not necessarily be helpful in trying to keep yourself safe but again all of that is consent based we will always ask beforehand we will never share anything just because we think it's best it is a um, if you say no we will obviously go through the explanation as to why if we think that you're unable to keep yourself safe and you don't want to share maybe around about how to and you're not necessarily sure you can't keep yourself safe and you don't want to disclose to the people around you we might need to escalate that but this is what um this is why i was saying earlier that it really depends on it's an individual basis if you want to share then there's a different path if you don't want to share then there is a different path um and in terms of confidentiality nothing is ever shared again without without consent um, but you will have to sign a data protection form which is one of the forms that you sign at the beginning when you come in which is just it just kind of explains that we have to record um, just for our purposes just to if anything does happen we need to we have a duty of care to record anything that does that happens that is under the law that is a legal requirement that we have to record anything like that that is pertaining to your care um, or to people that come in that require our support or our care um but apart from that it never gets shared unless it is with anybody that would support you with your well-being and all of our um all of the data is deeply part like password protected you know there's a few steps so if anybody's worried about even that being like, there's a lot of um you know safety around that it base wise and yeah kind of emphasizing what Betty said um we don't really like we're not gonna if we do have to pass on any sort of information to a caregiver or to a trusted adult that you've named we aren't going to be putting in like everything you have said it's going to be the bullet points of exactly what they need to know um we won't tell them everything that you've told us in that session we're just going to tell them the things that um they need to keep you safe thank you and it's also already been said that camps has been involved and CAMS participation has been involved in the development of that service. And I know Alex and Sharman, you've both visited the Luton site. You've been involved in the recruitment of the staff as well. How has that been? The recruitment of the staff is really interesting. Um, I was on 
the panel as a service user in participation. And it was a very surreal experience, very um, interesting that these three children, I saw someone from the interview panel in person after they got given the job. Uh, when I first met her, it was recognition of her voice. And then I got to see her doing her job and um, the event was discussing this sanctuary and how we could improve and she was very thorough. She wanted the best for her team and for the job. And it was very intensive, which is very important for a job around mental health. And I'm very confident in the staff that are working in the sanctuary. I've met a lot of them. It was a great discussion. Um, and we talked during and after the the meeting. It was it was it was wonderful. And I'm very grateful for that experience. That's wonderful to hear, Sharmin. How about you, Alex? Um, I was at the same meeting that Sharmin has mentioned, and something that I recall like quite positively was that we stayed after the meeting for about an extra hour and a half, two hours, where we discussed almost anything and everything with everyone. And it was really lovely to talk about really niche interests that I have with some of the staff there and being able to connect with that. And I can tell from my experience that a lot of young people will be able to connect really, really easily with all of the staff members there because they're so friendly and really open to talk about anything, really. That's wonderful to hear. And whilst I was in there, I could see that staff and the young people involved were like, loving it. It's just great to see that energy in the space. Thank you for everyone for joining us today. It's been a wonderful conversation. I thought as a last point, we could go around and say what one piece of advice you would have for someone who's listened to this and maybe feels like the service might be beneficial for them that are unsure about how to reach out for help or if they can do that, what advice would you give them? Um, I think my key piece of advice is, you know, mental health um, well-being and poor mental health in general can be very difficult to deal with and to sit with. And, you know, that loneliness that can come from knowing that something is wrong, not knowing what's going on, just feeling like, you know, feeling like not the best version of yourself desiring to be a little bit happy by not knowing how honestly reach out use the century it is the the hardest bit will be just coming in and just saying hello that that is as hard as it gets and of course opening up is still going to be difficult but just getting to the door is we will do the rest of the legwork if you can just come to see us we will i promise you we'll do the rest of the, the legwork but that is the hardest bit but it is the most important step because that's when you um you kind of admit to yourself that you need the support and you'd like the support. And um, so, yeah, so I'll just, my final bit would be that you reach out and take the first step and come and meet us. Um, maybe in a similar kind of vein um, as Betty, just um, maybe if you do know, if you do feel like this service might be useful to you, but you're a bit nervous, a bit scared to come along, I'd say, we're very well confused to come along and just kind of look at the space first you don't have to come in directly in crisis and directly like needing 
immediate immediate um support we can you can come in and have a little chat and get to know us a little bit first and then when you do need us in the future you might feel a bit less anxiety when you do want to come and reach out I think um I think as you previously mentioned I think just taking that that step to getting to a place it's already a lot of work and you should be happy and really thankful and um proud that you know you have done that first step and being able to use such services as the sanctuary I've been in the meeting with um Molly when we first discussed about the possibility of making this and seeing it like come like fully at just from a project to actually existing and how really really sweet and I'm really happy that we have made this come true thank you Alec and you were a key member part of that so well done to you too I think that as individuals and as people who can acknowledge that everyone has mental health struggles and we're all growing and we're all expensive. I believe that we should give ourselves the courage and the chance to have that opportunity to have those frequent check-ins. Um, therapy is expensive and not always attainable, but in a perfect world, it would be because we're all expensive and we're all growing and we're all learning and we're struggling in human life. I think this opportunity is a wonderful idea and it is a little mind sanctuary for your mind to let go and to not bottle yourself up and keep yourself in your tight inner world. We have professionals who are open and open to listening and have so much care in them that they would love to share and I think it would be beautiful if you gave yourself the chance to explore that part of yourself through through these meetings, through these sessions. It can be one appointment or it can be a few. Try a drop-in session is what I recommend. I think that we really love it. Thank you, Charmin. That's wonderful to hear. And lastly, thank you to all the listeners for listening in today. In the description box, we'll put the locations of each sanctuary so that you know where to go. We hope to see you in another Cam Talk podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford Cam's team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk, or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.